Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. You belong with us. I love that. You belong with us. That is the series that we've been going through, the belonging series. And if there's one thing I know about everybody is that we all need to belong. We want to belong. We need to be accepted somewhere. We need to be loved. We need to belong somewhere. And if you're a guest here today and you don't have a church home, I invite you to come and make this your church home because you belong here. We want you here, and we want you to experience Jesus in a whole new, fresh, alive way. This week, we're going to be talking about having compassion. People are not naturally compassionate. That's not something we are just born with. And you can tell that if you watch little children playing together. You'll see some little children that are so nurturing and so caring and so giving and others that are not. So compassion is not necessarily born in us. But today, my message is compassion for the EGRs. When you leave here today, I trust that you will now have compassion for the people who extra grace is required. Have you ever heard that term EGR? An EGR is someone for whom extra grace is required. EGRs are people we may deliberately try to avoid because, frankly, they just get on our nerves. We may work for them. We may work with them. We may live in the neighborhood with them. We may live in the same house with them. In fact, we may be one. If you are wondering whether or not you are an EGR, simply ask someone who shares your home with you, and I am sure they'll be glad to tell you. There will be no doubt that you will know before the end of the day. You know, you can try to get away from people that are hard to get along with. If they're in your workplace, you can quit your job and go somewhere and start a new job. But guess what? They're going to be there too. You're right. You can leave the neighborhood. That neighbor that's been putting his leaves over the fence to put them in your yard, you can move to a new neighborhood, in a new community, in a new state. But guess what? There's EGRs there too. EGRs are everywhere. Because anywhere you have a relationship, you probably will encounter EGRs. Relationships require a lot of grace. And as followers of Jesus, we can bring grace into all relationships. We have the ability to do that. Why? Because it was God's grace, God's grace that brought us into relationship with him. And when we ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior of our lives, and he comes into our hearts His Holy Spirit fills us, and we are able to do things we could never do on our own. And through the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus, we can be compassionate to people who are difficult, hard to get along with. 
EGRs. You know, it always amazes me when I'm getting ready for a message, it seems like something happens during the week that just becomes a wonderful example of what I'm going to be talking about. And this week was no different. I was talking to someone on the phone, and she began to express to me something that happened in her neighborhood. She had a doctor's appointment on Wednesday. I believe it was Wednesday. And on Tuesday, she noticed people in the neighborhood going door to door. There was a woman and a little girl, and they were going door to door knocking. And as they were knocking, they would ask if they could come in and read the Bible with people. And my friend said, you know, I could hear some of the conversations and comments, and I thought, aw, they're not being very nice to them. And she said, it really hurt my heart. I thought, they don't deserve that. People don't deserve to be talked to like that. If they come to my door, I'm going to let them in. Well, wouldn't you know, they came to her door, but that was the day she had to go to the doctor. So when they knocked, she said to them, listen, I would love to invite you in. I would like to have you come back. I have to go to the doctor, but I'll be home tomorrow. And she said, why don't you come around 11? They were at her door right at 11 o'clock. They knocked on the door, and the little girl was carrying a Bible. My friend invited them in. And the mother said, would it be all right with you if my little girl read the scripture to you today? And my friend was delighted. She thought it was wonderful that an eight-year-old would want to read the Bible and could read the Bible. And she said, yes, let me go get my Bible and I'll follow along with you. And the mother said, well, you know, Bibles have different versions. There's lots of different versions of Bibles. And sometimes it may be worded differently. She said, I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm okay with that. I'll go get my Bible. And, but she said, you know, the Word of God, even if it's a different version, it comes back to the same message. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. They began to read from Ecclesiastes, and they talked about the Scripture. And my friend talked with them about Jesus and how he had transformed her life. How she had grown up in a different faith, actually, and how when she came to know Jesus, everything changed. And the little girl said, you know Jesus? And she said, yes, I do. So they began to talk about Jesus, and my friend told her, that's why we have Christmas. We celebrate Christmas because it was the day that Jesus was born, and we celebrate it because we give gifts to one another because he is the greatest gift. The little girl was very sad. She had a sad look on her face, and she told my friend that yesterday a woman in the neighborhood had slammed the door in her mother's face and told her that she was no good and she needed to leave people alone. And my friend said, I am so sorry that happened to you. No one deserves to be treated that way. She said, the mother said, we often get shunned when people see us coming. Well, my friend said, well, you are welcome to come here anytime. And she said, could we come back? We'd like to come back if we could. And my friend said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll ask you one question, and depending on how you answer it, we'll decide what the next step will be. If you come back and we read the Bible together, are you trying to get me to join your church? Because if you are, I'm telling you right now, I'm not joining your church. 
I have a church. I have a church family. I haven't been able to get to church for many weeks, but the first place I'm going to go when I'm able is back to my church. So if you're coming because you just want to fellowship with me and read the scriptures, we can do that. But if you're coming because you want me to join your church, I'm not going to do that. Now, if we became friends and you invited me to your church, I would probably go with you as a friend. If I went to your church, would it be different than what I have at my church? And the mother said, yes, there would be differences. With that, she said, well, I'm inviting you back. If you would like to come back, I would like to have you. And she gave the little girl a cookie. You know what? I think they'll be back. I think they'll be back, and I think they will bring their Bible again. But I don't think they're there because they're going to try to bring something to my friend. I think they're there because God brought them there. He knew she would give something to them, the true message of who Jesus is, that they can have a real relationship with him, that they can have a transformed life through faith in Jesus, and that they can and will go to heaven when they accept him as their Lord and owner of their life. I think God brought them to her door. We need to show compassion to people who extra grace is required for because those people who require extra grace are opportunities that God brings to us, opportunities for us to share with them what God could do in their lives. People who require extra grace are usually people who are hurting. They need Jesus. So the next time you see someone in your neighborhood knocking on doors, perhaps you want to go to the door and motion for them to come on over and invite them in and use that opportunity to share Jesus with them. Each week, we try to give you one specific point on our message that you can take home and apply to your life. And today, that take-home point is God wants us to live in harmony with one another. God wants us to live in harmony with one another. That is his ultimate desire. The relationship that we have with one another the relationship that God wants to have with us was designed by God. And he wants those relationships to be enriching and full and good and in harmony. The scripture for today is found in the New Testament book of Romans. If you brought your Bibles with you, you can get them out. We're going to be in the New Testament. And um, we're going to be in chapter 12. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. He had not been to to Rome yet to talk with the new Christians. There were Gentile Christians and there were Jewish Christians. Now, there were more Gentile Christians and fewer Jewish Christians. But one of the reasons Paul writes the letter before he goes is because the Gentile Christians were not accepting, totally accepting of the Jewish Christians. 
the Jewish Christians still practiced some dietary restrictions and, and they followed some of their laws. And so the Gentile Christians rejected them in some ways. And Paul is writing this letter to say, look, here's why I'm coming. I'm coming to tell you about Jesus. I'm coming to tell you that he is who he said he was, that Jesus is the only one who can save us. When we believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for our sin, and we make him Lord of our lives, then we can enter into a wonderful new relationship with God, an everlasting relationship. And when we do that, by trusting in the Holy Spirit and allowing him to help us, we can overcome sin and temptation, all sin, all temptation. We can overcome it by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And because of God's grace to us, we can show grace to all others. Grace is simply favor or kindness. God gave us that grace, didn't he? Not because we deserved it. None of us deserves what God gives us, the grace, the love. He gives it freely. It's unmerited, can't be earned. He gives it to us for the asking. In our mind, we may think we don't need to be patient and kind to that neighbor. After all, they don't deserve it. They've been putting those leaves over that fence for a long time, and they just don't deserve I just don't even need to say hello to them anymore. But that's not what Jesus says, is it? Jesus showed grace to all men, whether they were kind to him or whether they were unkind to him. The way he was treated never changed his purpose for coming. And as followers for Jesus, we have a purpose. We want to be Jesus in this world. And therefore, we need to show compassion to even the ones that we don't think deserve it. Romans 9, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. You can follow along with me if you like. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God would bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. 
For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to come and to share your word with your people. Thank you, God, for the love that you have for us, and thank you that you listen when we speak. Thank you, God, that that you lean down and you take your ear and press it toward our lips so that you hear every word. Thank you, God, that whether we need you day or night, you are always there. This morning, Lord, we want to thank you especially for your grace that we do not have to earn, that you give us so freely. Amen. Paul says right up front, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Love requires effort, doesn't it? It means helping others become better than they are to become better people. When I do a marriage ceremony, I often say, since God has brought you together and the two of you will now become one, you will be better together than either one of you could ever be on your own. When you become one with Jesus, you will be more than you could ever be on your own. When you ask Jesus into your heart and you say, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord, his Holy Spirit comes and you will have strength and courage and the ability to stay away from sin and to be an encouragement to others. Your behavior will be different because of who you are in Jesus. Paul is also telling them, when you care for others, it's going to cost you something. If you really care about people and don't just pretend, it's going to take your time. If you see a need, it might take some money. If you see that you can give them food, maybe you'll invite them in for a meal. It might take hospitality. He's saying there are ways to meet the needs of other people. Be generous. Be generous. And finally, he says, honor one another. Honor is not a word we hear a lot of in regular conversations. We honor Some of the soldiers, when they go to the White House, are honored. But you don't hear that word like you used to. You certainly don't hear it in schools like you used to. Honor. 
Paul says, honor one another. What would happen if we left here today and each one of us tried to outdo each other with honor? What would happen if you took honor to the grocery store and the person checking you out felt honored because of the way you treated them? What would happen in your neighborhood, in your schools, in your workplace, if you truly honored those other people? I think we'd see a whole different community. I think people's lives could be changed. When Paul tells us to practice hospitality, I can't help but think of my friend who invited the mother and the little girl in. She invited them in. She read with them. She was hospitable. She was practicing Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality focuses on the guest. It pays attention to the needs of the guest. Social hospitality focuses on the hostess or the host. Do I have the right napkins? Do I have the right silverware? Do I have the right tablecloths? Are they cornered? Are they straight? As Christians, as followers of Christ, we want to be known as focusing on the needs of others, not on ourselves. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. That tells me that that's a choice. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I can make a choice. I want to choose to live in peace and handle this situation a different way, or I'm choosing to create more conflict and stay stern. Holy Spirit, how do you want me to behave in this manner? Remember that grace builds people up. It doesn't tear people down. We want to speak words that will lift them up and, and encourage them, not tear them down more. Grace doesn't give up on people. Grace isn't impatient. Paul wants us to live like Jesus, and Jesus lived grace. I was the chaplain at UPMC Northwest for several years, and one morning I got a phone call, and a nurse was calling me into the intensive care unit. She wanted me to stop by her office first because she needed to talk to me. They had found this 52-year-old woman lying on a, on a sidewalk, and they got her to the hospital. She had a lot of internal injuries, and she was not expected to live. They were going to go in and do surgery, but they didn't think she would live through the surgery. They were simply waiting for her father and her pastor to arrive. Her husband was already there, and he was distraught. So the nurse said, I'd just like you to go in and kind of be there with them during this time. I went in, spent some time with her husband, and I prayed with him, and I prayed with the patient. And I mentioned that we were privileged to have a therapeutic musician on staff at UPMC. It was really innovative at the time. A therapeutic musician was someone who, who brought a musical instrument in, whether it was a harp or a keyboard or a flute, uh, whatever, whatever instrument they chose to bring into the room, and they played music for someone who was 
recovering or passing away or having a lot of pain. They found music is very therapeutic and can help in so many ways. And so the hospital had hired a young woman by the name of Samantha Philippi to come, and she was our therapeutic musician. So I went into the room, and as I'm talking to the, the husband and um, waiting for the father and, and pastor to come, I mentioned to him that we had a therapeutic musician on staff and that maybe we could get her to come in and, and play, and he really liked that idea. And so I sent for Sam, and when the father and the uh, pastor came, we offered the music. What I hadn't done was cleared it with the head nurse. And so Sam is sitting with her keyboard, and she is ready to play something, and they're ready to hear something, and I go out and say to the nurse, we're going to play some music in this room Oh, no, you're not. Absolutely not. Not music in ICU. No music in ICU. Uh-oh. Extra grace was required. I now had to go back into the room and tell my new therapeutic musician, who I had just met. I, I didn't know her very well at all. I had to tell her that... I guess, I guess we don't need you here. I had to tell the family, I'm sorry, I can't give you what I told you I was going to give you. We can't have music in ICU. I did not want to go back in that room and do that. But I went in and I said, I'm sorry, we, we can't have music. The patient's father told me that his daughter had been in the choir since she was a little girl. He himself was a retired pastor and couldn't I just please ask again? Oh, EGR. I had to go out again. I went to the desk. The last thing I wanted to do was ask her the second time because, you see, I hadn't asked her permission. I had asked Sam in, hadn't cleared it with anybody, so it was my fault. I went out and I said, please... <laughs> And she said, don't ask me this again. I told you once, and I'm not going to discuss this with you again. So I turned to go back to the room, and then I turned back to her, and I said, you know, I know that you don't think the music is a good idea, but we have found that it really helps in a lot of situations. And I really think this is one of those situations where we need to do it. I apologized to her for going over her head. I apologized for asking Sam in before even clearing it with her. I told her I was really sorry. I didn't mean to go over her head. I just truly didn't think about it. I just did it. So could we play just one song? And she said, fine. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But... Do not play Amazing Grace. Well, that didn't seem like too big of a request, so I was very pleased, and we went back in, and Sam played the most beautiful piece of music. Now, in case you haven't figured out by now, my therapeutic musician 
Miss Samantha Philippi, is now Mrs. Samantha French, your keyboard player with praise team today. I enjoyed her so very much when I worked with her at UPMC that my son added her to our family. <laughs> Good job, Brad. <laughs> well, Sam played, and it was beautiful. And then the retired pastor father, he said, by any chance, do you know Amazing Grace? And Sam looked at me, and I nodded at her. And then I looked out to the nurse, and I said, the family had a request. Fine. Thank you, Jesus. And it was fine until she could hear Amazing Grace rolling off the keyboard, at which time she came into the room. That nurse began to fidget with different things. But you know what? While she was working around the patient, checking the monitors, that unresponsive woman, her finger started to go up and down to the beat of the music. Wow. This was an amazing moment orchestrated by God. She regained a low level of consciousness, which was a good thing before the surgery. She was able to know her husband and her father were there, her pastor was there. Prayer, of course, she could hear this time, and it was amazing. They took her to surgery. The surgeons got in there. There was no blood, no internal bleeding. They closed her up. She healed beautifully. She went home, and she was singing in the choir again. But the story doesn't end there. I knew I was in hot water with the ICU nurse. And I figured I would not get called to ICU anytime soon. And I didn't. For several days, I didn't get called. But then one morning, a call came in. And she had an older woman, an elderly lady, that had no more family left. And she was dying. There was no church family present. Would I come up and sit with her while she was passing? And as a chaplain, I often did that. I went to ICU, I sat with the woman, and the nurse came in, and we had a few little conversations throughout that time. And one of them went something like this. Do you think maybe we should ask Sam to come in and play? Maybe she would like to hear some music. What a great idea. I'll call her. So I did. And Sam came in, and we were able to usher that woman into heaven in the joy of the Lord. However, two weeks later when I went to ICU, I walked in, and I really didn't see any patients. I don't remember anybody being in any of the rooms. But you know what I did see? I saw... Samantha Philippi French, still Samantha Philippi, sitting in front of the nurse's station, playing music on her keyboard, playing hymns for our EGR nurse. 
but something even more important than that had happened. She learned that the woman had gone to church as a little girl and that she loved singing one particular hymn with her grandma. But it was a very old, old Baptist hymn in a very old, old Baptist hymnal, and she didn't know where she could ever find it again. Sam found it. She found a church that had the hymnal. She found the hymn. She had it framed, and she was playing that hymn and singing it for our nurse and gave her a copy of it framed to hang on her wall, and a life was changed that day. Why? Because we had compassion the first time we encountered this EGR nurse. Because God had orchestrated it. She didn't want to hear Amazing Grace. So she didn't want it played in the ICU. But God knew she needed his amazing grace. And so he ushered it in. Sometimes when we are facing people who are EGRs, we have to realize that God has placed us in that situation. He wants us to be obedient to him because he sees the bigger picture. We may feel intimidated by him. I felt intimidated by this nurse. She really did intimidate me. I grew to love her. She was my favorite nurse in the end. But, but in the beginning, she really did intimidate me. People may have intimidated you. They may have hurt you terribly. They may have embarrassed you. They may have disrespected you. They may have stolen from you. But God wants us to respect and honor and serve them and bring them in to a relationship with his son Jesus so that their lives can be transformed. When we believe... Our behavior is transformed through the power of God's Holy Spirit. And the things that we are unable to ever do on our own, we are able to do through him. We can show compassion for the EGRs. We can seek them out and we can love them. And we can be used of God in everyday situations, everyday situations, to lead others to Jesus. Sometimes when I'm in a situation where I'm not sure, I try to use these three things, these three tools, to help me kind of overcome my human side and do what I know God is wanting me to do. And so the first thing I do when I'm going into a relationship that maybe has been tense or has been unnerving is I pray. And that's a tool I want to give to all of you. When you're going into a relationship or a situation that's going to require extra grace, go in prayed up. Take just a minute and just say, God, you know how hard it is for me right now. And, and it's so hard for me even to be nice to this person, let alone compassionate and helpful. Please, God, just help me to do this in Jesus' name. And he will. And then just visualize Jesus being right there with you. He's right there with you. You're not there alone. You're never alone. And then just verbalize. 
say, thank you, God, for standing with me during this time and help me to always remember I represent you in this situation. Pray, visualize, verbalize. All those ways you acknowledge him in your life. When you allow God's Holy Spirit to change you, he is able to transform our natural human nature to the nature of Jesus. Caring and relating to others impacts everything we do. And we want everything we do to impact others for Jesus. Now, maybe you've never taken that first step of asking Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you've never given him ownership of your life yet. Maybe if you're a guest here today, you're just here because you're kind of scouting out who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus that, that the world is so afraid of, that, that Christians are being persecuted for? Oh, you know, what is ISIS doing to the Christians? Why are they sorting out the Christians? Who is Jesus that the world is so afraid of him? I think I'll go to New Life and see who they say Jesus is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He wants to give you a life that is full. It won't be an easy life. Life never is easy. But he will help you through each and every situation, and you will handle things differently than you will ever be able to do it on your own. If you would like to ask Jesus into your heart, to be your Savior and your Lord. You simply need to pray a prayer like the one that's on the screen. Jesus, I admit I am a sinner. I have not trusted you as Savior and Lord, as owner of my life. Today I turn away from my sins and ask you to come in and take over. Be my Savior and Lord. Fill me with your spirit that I may start to live as your follower and be part of your family. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you are now a follower of Jesus, and you are in the family of God, and his Holy Spirit lives within you. Every week we try to give a take-home point and a commitment to you so that you can apply what you've heard today. I think it becomes more real and it makes Jesus more real when you can take the message and put it into action. And so the take-home point for today was God wants us to live in harmony with one another. And the commitment for this week is I will choose to be kind in each and every relationship this week. I will choose to be kind in each and every relationship this week. If you would like to take that EGR challenge, then I'm going to ask you to read it with me at this time. I will choose to be kind in each and every relationship 
this week. Let's pray. Dear God, just thank you so much for your love, your perfect love. Thank you for your care. Thank you, God, that, that we can be here today. And I thank you for those, Lord, who have accepted you today as their personal Savior and those, Lord, who have recommitted their lives to you. For those, Lord, who maybe have discovered today that they are an EGR and they want to recommit, make some changes, grow a little further. Thank you, God, for your care and your compassion. Thank you for your grace. Go before us this day and every day. In Jesus' name.